Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Well, you've done it again. You've stumbled onto greatness. <laughs> uh, this is Andy Richter, and you are listening to the three questions, but you probably already knew that. I mean, how would you just show up here by chance, right? Depends on how stumbly you are. That is true. How, but you're just stumbling through the podcast I'll give you apps. a scenario. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in your home. Uh-huh. You don't turn the light on as soon as you come in. Mm-hmm. You think maybe someone's in the house. You panic. You want to call the cops, but you mispress your right. phone. A podcast randomly starts right, up. Right, right, right. And you're still wandering in the dark feeling for things. Right, right. But listening to this but podcast. But you're going like, wait a minute. Is that Janet Varney? Yeah. Yeah. Did I just stumble onto greatness? It is Janet Varney. And yeah. that's who I'm talking to today, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Wow! Sure, no problem. (laughs) How are you? Uh, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. We're uh, we're talking uh, in the end of August. I don't know if I'm supposed to date these things, but I mean, uh, I don't care. You didn't say anything topical other than the name of a month. The end of August. The world still seems to be functioning. Don't say that because that Um, will date it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and I and we just were talking a moment ago that this is the end of your guy summer for your podcasting. That's correct. You only have females during the school year. That's right. But in the summertime, I really let her rip. You're boy crazy. That's right. Why, and how did that? How did that come about? That the, well, you did that. When I first started doing the podcast, I was there weren't a ton of female hosts and there weren't a ton of female guests. Yes. Quite frankly, because it's been like seven or eight years now. Right, right. There weren't um, a lot of women back there then. There just weren't a ton they of women. Weren't. It was mostly eighty percent men. In podcasting, yeah, yeah. to clarify. Oh no, I mean uh, in the world. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, longer talk, oh, longer this, conversation. I had so many women were just breeding and breeding and breeding because huh. they just weren't enough of them. I guess that's maybe true. I guess it's rude to disagree with your host <laughs> if you're on a podcast. No, it's, so well, this, it's, no, as of now, th- that's true. Not this one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and then I, I did have people who I, I didn't know really who was going to listen to the podcast. And then it turned out sort of just people listen yeah, to yeah. it. And, uh, and then I started to think like, oh, you know, it would be nice to talk about just some gentleman friends who had a high school experience. That's yeah. a different, maybe looks different than what a, a girl is experiencing in high school. So um, I said, I was actually talking to Steve Agee and I said, oh, you know, I'm, I think I'm, maybe you want to have guys on the podcast, maybe like just in the summer or something. And, and Agee was like, you mean like Boys of Summer by Don Henley? And I was like, well, that's what it's called now. It will be my Boys of that Summer Boys series. Of summer series. And then that led to me forcing everyone to sing uh, a cappella Extemporaneously, Boys of Summer at the end. Yeah, that's a really awful song. I mean, it's a really awful song. Do you? Well, I'm an an Eagles defender, actually. Okay. A lot of people hate the Eagles, and I, I maintain that Hotel California 
is a fantastic song. Yeah. It is a rock solid fucking song. And as much as Hanley and, and Glenn Fry were dicks and they wrote kind of like oppressively smug white guy music, uh-huh. it's they were really fucking good at yeah. it. They yeah. really sold a bunch of records and they really made a lot of people go, yeah, I want to hear that again. Right. And Hotel California, it's, yeah, it's, you've been literally bludgeoned with it. Yes. But especially like that fucking twin guitar solo at the end, it's it's huge. It's yeah. like, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of of popular radio. You yeah. know, it's it's unbelievable. What would that look like? What carving would that be if you had to uh, symbolize it as a two a guitars? Radio. Two carved um, guitars with an well, eagle next to it? I guess it? it would be more of a, it would be rocks that made the noise of that. It would be that. Ooh. Yeah, it would probably, there'd probably be like some Bruce Springsteen in there. I don't know. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. <laughs> I always get scared. I've been asked to do kind of like... Uh, comment on your favorite oh, pop culture kind of thing. Death. That's I actually, so hard. I actually just, for this podcast, th- th- uh, th- I was told, they want to do a, a, a publication, wants to do a story on you and this podcast. And I was like, okay, cool. And then nothing really happened about it. And my assistant kind of pushed for it. And she's a, a, pr- a sushi producer on the show. And she kind of pushed for Almost it. Almost sounded like you said sushi producer, just su- pointing that out. She is a, now, well, she just had a baby, but the baby's not sushi, but she's been producing more than just shows lately. Oh, great. Um, Mazel tov. But uh, she uh, finally it came through. And then it turns out, like, and I had no idea, it was. We are just going to talk about an underappreciated comedy thing. Like that's okay. that's the point of this, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I don't know." Okay, how about um, the W. C. Fields movie? It's a gift. Like that's one of my favorite movies, and not a lot of young people know that movie. Mm-hmm. And it comes back. Well, someone just did a W. C. Fields thing, so I was like, "Oh fuck," and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, like, what do I? What comedy thing do I like that's underappreciated? And I was like. None. <laughs> All the comedy things I like are appreciated. Like, what am I going to say? Tim and Eric? You know, like, yeah, nobody knows about Tim and Eric. Like, yes, yeah. no, a lot. You know, like, especially people that are going to be reading this thing. They yeah. There's no kind of like. What's the gem? Yeah, What's no the hidden gem? And also Danish that you have comedian. that in your pocket. Yeah. That you're going to be like, oh, finally, someone's letting me shout to the heavens. And what, you know, Kids in the Hall was good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I ended up being like. Nah, I don't. I can't think of anything. Yeah, everything I like is exactly appreciated uh-huh. as much as it should be. So, well, luckily that's not an insult to their entire concept. No, it what. isn't. <laughs> it is, it's just not for me. And yeah. I and I. It's the same thing. I've been on. People have asked me, come on a podcast and we'll talk about, you know, like old candy. You know what I mean? Like not right. old, not past its right. expiration date, right. but like the candy not of your youth. Nostalgia candy. Yeah, like like you know, like how they do in thirteen going on thirty. Right. And uh, and I just was like, eh, no, I don't candy. I, I don't yeah. know. I can't like, and because people can wax rhapsodic about all kinds of things from their youth, and I yeah. just. It's probably because I've never been that happy, so I just kind of <laughs> shove everything into a drawer. And yet talking about candy from your youth does not make you feel better. No, which no, you, not I was at not all. a happy child, and I probably could rep. Could you? Yeah. See, I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I, I remember Charleston shoes, but I can't talk about them. Right. You know, uh, for at least what I consider 
uh, uh, an appreciable amount of time that would constitute content. Right, right. So That being said, I will say this has triggered a memory from yesterday evening when I was standing in line at the grocery store. And I would say, by and large, I'm not the person that is looking to my left and looking to my right to be like, what are these people getting? Yeah, yeah. What does that tell me about this person? Uh, but the guy, the sort of business guy who had taken off his jacket and his tie was sort of letting loose because it was after work, had a giant box of spinach and then two rolls of Rolos. And that's all he was getting. And for some reason, I, I was so touched by that. Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was like a moment of like, I don't know anything about this guy yeah. or what his life's like. First of all, that's who buys Rolos. I didn't know who was doing that. Right. He he had to get two. Yep. And a spinach. That's dessert. And then. And then he's a pop. He's yeah. like a modern day Popeye. He's a modern day Popeye. Yeah. And then in my mind, I was like, hmm, I noticed that. That's I, I noticed those two Rolos. And then. Thus ensued an entire conversation with the cashier who was like, are those going to make it all the way home? And the guy was like, "Ah, I just love Rollos. (laughs) Rollos. So then I was listening like, oh, maybe he's Australian. I I was trying to justify it. But no, he was American. So he was going to eat those two Rollos. Wow. Yeah. My Rollos. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. To not know. Yeah, I'll take. So you brought up vintage lo- candy. Yeah, that's all that made me think of. Do you have any Snickers bars? <laughs> um. <laughs> What's the weirdest, untasty way I can pronounce yeah, yeah. any of these uh, things? Yes. I'd like some M Nams. Uh, do you have any Twixes? <laughs> Twixes. I'm looking for Twixes. <laughs> I went. I at Costco once, and this I just there was an old man at Costco with a cart full of. Alkalinized water, like that alkaline water, yeah. which apparently is complete fucking nonsense. Sure. But it was like, it was perfect that like an old man was like, this is going to make a- make I'm going to turn lo- into Wolverine yeah. if pH, I drink this. My pH balance, that's the important thing. That's right. Just alkalinized water and a huge like like bulk thing of cigarillos. Oh, like, my. Like little tiny oh cigars with plastic my. tips, which I was like, where are those in yeah. this store? I guess there what? might be like a tobacco cage corner? somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Wow, that's but it was just nuts. That mu- that's like the old man diet in Burbank, I guess. I got to start getting not in on that. It evens out. It uh-huh. evens out. Those cigarillos, you get yeah. that water, smoke all you want. That's right. Nothing bags going to happen That's the idea. That's right. Um, well, you have you heard this show? I mean, I don't. You know, you can say no. I don't. You know. No, uh, but I remember when you did my podcast last year. You were like, "I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah. It's going to be simple." It is, and it, this is relatively simple. I just want to, you know, I want to kind of have the con- the idea of this was always to kind of have the conversations that I like having with people in the commercial breaks of the Conan show. Yep, yep, and and real because, talk. Yeah, because like publicizing things like that gets done, whether or not. You know, you, you know, those you're going to burn those calories just right. talking anyway. So it's so I've never, you know, I've never, and also too, I don't ever. I work. I am a cog in the gear of the publicity machine, and I never have ever found any quantifiable evidence that any of it puts butts in seats. Right, right. The only, I think, the only thing that it does is it sells books. Like it, it's a, it makes an appreciable difference to book hmm. sellers, to people who are trying to sell a book to be on a show. Interesting. But like when, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal being on our show is going to sell movie tickets. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, so I just, it's more, 
it's still just fun. I, you know, that's the idea is to just have fun. But I wanted to have this kind of just like be about what the people, you know, the three questions are, where do you come from? Where are you going? And, and what have you learned? And, and those are sort of the kind of the what the makeup of people. And uh, and I've known you a long time, but I didn't. I mean, I got like a little sort of like rundown, the Janet Varney story in in one PDF. Yeah. Um, And uh, I love PDF me. I bet. I don't know. I don't know what it says. You you seem really, very fascinating. It's all the highlights. Great. (laughs) It's basically you could just save it and make it your obituary. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. I mean, I guess, you know, you should probably do something between then and now. Should I? To add to it. Yeah. A couple more. Couple more bullet points. Mm, all right, um, but yeah, no. I mean, so, like I say, I've known you a long time, but I didn't know like a lot about. Like, I didn't know you were Mormon. I mean, I'm not. But I guess you, know, you put lapsed, that in the past. Lapsed tense. Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that because it's I always like to me. Um, I know so many people who were Mormons. Yeah. It's really weird. And I guess it's like, it's no weirder than saying I knew a bunch of people who were Methodists, but it's just- It does feel different though, doesn't it? Is it is different yeah. because it's a such a purely American It's the most invention. American, other than it's Scientology. A, and it's an invention, I just mean, like yeah. the rest of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two, I mean, I'm uncomfortable in a way because I have stronger negative feelings about Scientology than I do about the Mormon church. I do too, Yeah. Possibly I would feel the opposite if mm-hmm. I had been raised a Scientologist. I don't know. But I'm, it's a, there's an uncomfortable closeness between the yes. way those religions work and sort of but how I don't, American they feel. But I don't think that – I don't think that there is so uh, – I don't think that the Church of Latter-day Saints is, has, is putting the pressure on people, go make money for right, us. Right, right, right. That's, that's a, a real difference. I mean, yeah. you know – the Church of Latter-day Saints did what every religion did, which is spread this word, spread right. this faith. And I mean, there's some really cuckoo stuff in there. And I used to, I I mean, for a while I was a little bit Joseph Smith obsessed. And oh, where, yeah? yeah? You yeah. probably know about, more about him than I do then. I, uh, well, I, uh, um, uh, Fawn Brody, I think is her name. She wrote a book. Uh, I can't remember. It's like, uh, No Man Knows My Country or something like that. But it's just about Joseph Smith. And it just... He was a huckster. Mm-hmm. He was a huckster that was run out of a couple of towns, and then he figured out this one thing and found some magic stones that spoke to him yeah. and then said, like, you know what God wants? Me to have a lot of wives. I, mean, I know. It's like. It's extraordinary. Oh, yeah. But it's not that different. You know, I mean, one man having lots of wives, that's that's an old that's story. That's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an old story. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just, it's just funny to me how – You know, like I say, I I probably know as many Presbyterians. Mm -hmm. I probably know as many, I certainly know as many Catholics or as many Jews, but it's just that when I hear that, like, oh, you're more, you know, like, wow. It's Uh, also just newer. It's just, it's a very fresh, new, young religion in so many ways. And so you were, you grew up in a Mormon household? Not really. I mean, my, my parents split up when I was so young that I don't have, I think I have one memory of them together. Uh It was just them standing by side by side when we realized our house had been broken into. <laughs> like, so the event itself was traumatic enough. And this that is I, Arizona, I have a right? snapshot. Yeah, Tucson. Okay. I have a sort of snapshot of them both being alarmed at once. And yeah. that is the extent of my memories of them as a couple. Wow. When did uh, they split? I mean, they. I, I guess they separated when I was maybe five. Yeah. But I think even before that, there was just a significant amount of, you know, 
hey, I got to go out of town to this place. Yeah. And when I get back, would you like to go somewhere without me? Oh, really? I just, they were just were not in the same place. Yeah. They really avoided that. Yeah. Uh, and I spent a lot of time with both sets of grandparents, I think, while they were sort of figuring it out. Figuring but, out. Were uh, they young? They weren't that young. They were they were early 30s, but um, but my dad did convert for my mom, and he didn't – he's an atheist. Oh, wow. He didn't really know what yeah. he was – you know, he had sort of been around people that, you know, in – he loved my mom's family. They were Mormon. He sort of got – I think he got kind of sucked into – you know, there's a lot of like fun sport, like basketball might and just kind of fun stuff. Yeah. And it was really important to my mom. And so he was like, ah, you know what? Let's do it. I'll Why not? Convert. Yeah. And I think, you know. I like Immediately. Yeah, yeah. Immediately he, I think he had this sort of, oh no. Yeah, oh, yeah. uh oh. So that was, I think, a huge part of it. But it was also symptomatic of like all the other things that were kind of underneath that, that yeah. were not meant to be between them. Yeah. So he so he had primary custody of me. So and so I was raised by like a very funny, very dark sense of humored atheist, but my mom had custody of me on Sundays because it was imperative to her. You know, she needed me to go to church on yeah. Sundays. So I I went, but I I that was not something I ever I didn't ever believe it really. Yeah, yeah. I was I went to church as a kid and never believed it and and even was got very involved in our town's church. Without ever being sort of burdened, <laughs> burdened by the belief of it, because there was burdened just by the number one reason yeah, it existed yeah. at all. Well, I mean, because it did seem like, wait a minute, you step on a bug and that doesn't matter, but you know, like, or people in India who've never heard of Jesus are going to go to hell yeah. because they just didn't hear of Jesus. That yeah. doesn't seem fair. Which luckily, you know? there's a lot of you know avenues that Mormons have sort of figured out like, well, that doesn't sound good. So, And that, that makes it sound like a bunch of people are creating this doctrine, yeah. which I guess maybe is true. But, you know, it's, it's a very, very sunshiny kind of lovely religion mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Yes. And, uh, and there's a lot of good acts that happen. And there's far less, uh, at least in my experience and, and what I've read of, you know, families being separated by, you know, somebody who leaves the church and, you know, nobody is like, you don't, you're not our son anymore yeah, or anything right, like that. Right. Um, so there's a lot of really positive stuff, but then I think there's also just a tremendous amount of mess that's, you know, being swept under the rug because yeah. it's, that doesn't fit with a sort of personality, yeah. the public personality of the church. They a pro One thing I've always kind of found fascinating about, about, Mormonism is that it was founded on like a very egalitarian notion of that anybody can have a direct avenue yes. to God. Yeah, that's why we have all those crazy prophets yeah. now that spin off. It spins and off it's the like, most amazing sects. It really does. And I mean like crime families. Oh, yes. You know, like God yes. says God says we should steal cars. Oh, yeah. You know, for his greater glory. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and that is a very unusual thing. You yes. know, it's frowned upon in almost every other religion, like, well, I went out in my backyard and God told me that's wrong. And like, you know, like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Then the, the talking to God, that's our thing. Yeah. You, you know. And how could that not break bad when so many people are having personal revelations that are different from one yes. another? I mean, they're even within crime families. Yes, yes. There's like a one-upsmanship that's like, well, I don't know. God told me we were going to start stealing red cars. And that uh -huh. guy's like, it's funny because last <laughs> night God came to me and he said motorcycles yeah. were the way to go. Motorcycles and, and trucks. And then who wins yeah. that? You're a heretic. You that's and right. your Toyota Corollas. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it, 
it is. It's kind of like uh, the internet of religions and that like all of a sudden everybody gets a say That's and right. like, you know, and it like, oh, what a mess. Yeah. You know, it's 4chan of religions. That's right. Yeah. You sort of, it's one of those things that I think that you sort of rely on the idea that, uh, that people still want a leader and want to be guided enough mm-hmm. that they're not going, that won't be exploited somehow. Yeah, right, you know, right. it's like, well, yes, you can have a one-on-one relationship with God and you you will and you do, but that's like for your, you know, some of your personal life stuff. And right, then, right. and then there's a prophet who's, that's the person who's really laying down, yeah, yeah. you know, the continued like building foundation of, of the gospel, yeah. you know. It didn't take into account like crazy people. Yeah. Like, you know, crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But then from whence it came, yeah, like there's true. a whole sort that's of, true. you know. But I, you, oh yeah. Do you ahead. think that you got anything, like, do you feel like that experience gave you something good? Like, I mean, not just, because you obviously chose to not continue being yeah. in the church, but do you think it, that there was something that you took from it? I do. I mean, I think it was, and and a lot of, again, my family members have this quality. I mean, for example, my aunt and uncle, uh, who are wonderful and are not moneyed people by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they're in this, you know, they, they are doing service there. You know, she's, she, my aunt Maureen is leading scouts and, you know, uh, working in, in the community theater. And my uncle is a teacher. And yet they drive around with these like care packages for homeless people, yeah. you know, yeah, and they, yeah. there's not, they don't, it's not like they slip a book of Mormon in there. They yeah. just, they just see people in need and they're like, Hey, we have this little kit for you. If this is helpful, which yeah. is just, it just, you know, warms my heart, it sort of breaks it at the same time. Um, so I have seen a tremendous amount of good work of true, done, altruism, of, true yeah. of true altruism done. Um, and just very sweet, lovely people. But the flip side of that is like, for example, you know, the the thing to talk about for a while there was that uh, Netflix documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you're familiar with. I but am. I am. That, the, yeah. I don't think I've ever yelled at a television more. Yeah. And yeah. they're Mormon, right? Yeah. Um, so apparently one of the things that was not in the documentary was that that guy, K or R or L or what I can't remember. I think it was K, but yeah. um, he was their bishop. So that's like having that's then right. you sort of look at it with the, you know, you can sort of equate it with like, oh, this is why someone didn't want to tell on their their priest right. or whatever. Because if you if you buy in, yeah. you believe that that every couple of years a new dude just who's in your congregation who has no experience leading people at all is going to be put up into that place and and tasked with all of these crazy things like asking teenage girls about their sex lives with just no training. Right. And so, but, but if you believe that, then you don't question it. Yeah. You know, those two things go hand in hand. Is a bishop, is that like a professional clergy or is that, is that like a civilian? It's just you, it's just you and me. That runs the church. Not me because I can't have the priesthood, but. But do they do the, but do they do the, the sermon? Like do they, or is there, is there. Well, that's kind of egalitarian too. It is. Oh, wow. There's a bishop who's assigned to your ward. Mm -hmm. And, and, but then again, that, that cycles out. So. You know, for a couple of years, you, Andy Richter, could receive, you know, th- somebody higher up uh, in the stake, I guess, uh, is what it's – it's sort of the, the, the way it expands outward. The hierarchy, the, the, yeah. yeah the, it's like a, being a regional manager yeah. or whatever. The stake right. is sort of this this big area of the city that your ward is a part of. Um, and, and somewhere along the line, someone receives the revelation of whoever is supposed to be bishop next. And from what I understand, and I'm sure I'm, you know, oversimplifying it – it feels to me that you just get a call 
And you maybe you go into an office and they're like, well, Andy, God has told us that you are going to be serving as the bishop for this ward for the next couple of years. Wow. In addition to like my Hi. aluminum siding That's business. right. Continue yeah. working. You have to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, yes, your aluminum siding. Hopefully some of that will come in handy when you right. are uh, following this list of responsibilities. Good luck to you. I wonder if you know it's what ever, I mean. I wonder if it's ever like, well, the uh, worship hall needs a new roof, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, Jerry the roofer would be a good bishop. That's the yeah, guy yeah. who goes and uh, starts his own sect yeah. <laughs> and builds a lot of aluminum siding buildings for yeah, his yeah. wives. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that that it was so like kind of civilian. Yeah, run. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then so he doesn't really give a sermon because in uh, in the meeting where everyone gets together, like what you would think of as a normal kind of congregational church, service, church yeah. that's not Sunday school where everyone's divided by sex and age. Uh, there's a rotating, you know, you kids give talks. Oh, wow. Adults give talks. Um, I forget what how, again, that's another thing that's like, God, there's so many revelations happening. It's just like revelation for every star in the sky. Yeah, there's yeah. just always like, we received the revelation, Janet, that you need to give a talk about uh, chapter five of John. And that's the way it's phrased. Yeah, I mean, we I think so. Well, I don't think so. I think wow. they're just like, we would we like to ask you to do that. <laughs> They are always a few steps behind regular yeah. culture. <laughs> That's right. They are so, I feel yeah. they're so close to saying that homosexuality is okay because it just takes enough pressure yeah, yeah. for then someone to, because it's this very, you know, amorphous document gospel thing that they can be like, wait, wait. I'm hearing it's okay to be gay. Yeah, I yeah. am hearing it's okay to be gay now. Although, yeah, I would, you know, when there was the big Prop 8, which was an anti-gay marriage, uh, uh, for those who don't know, an anti-gay marriage a statute that was voted on here in California. And there was a lot of money behind it. And a lot of that money was from the, was from the Church of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And in my, what I just like, I thought like they were probably – because polygamy is such a taboo subject and such a thing that they've tried to squash that I think that they were probably trying to head off the the notion of, well, if the notion of marriage is fluid, hmm. that people in the same sex this. could get married, yeah. who's to say that four people can't get married? Yeah. And I think that they were probably threw a lot of money at that just in a in a preventative way to keep themselves from being sued by all of the people that they had excommunicated. Yeah, you that's know? really interesting. I, I mean, I, I hadn't it was just about I, that, I didn't I don't have anything to base it on yeah. other than you know being real fucking smart. Uh, <laughs> but no, I but uh, when I heard that when yeah. it, like a lot of the money was coming from Salt Lake here and coming into California about yeah. that, and it does seem like you know you don't. They, I've never felt, and I'm sorry to spend so much time talking. Oh, about I'm this. fine. They're um, fascinating. Okay. I don't uh, mind at all. Uh, that that I've ne they don't seem as as shame based as a lot of sort of like more you know fundamentalist kind of religion. So it does seem kind of weird. Like, why are they so worked up about yeah. being gay? I mean, you know, I mean, and like you said, they did adapt. And one of the big ones was. Okay, let's let black people be Mormons. Yes. Like that and the um, amazingly how amazingly late that happened. Yeah. But it did happen. Okay, great. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think it still would be kind of weird to be a black Mormon, but Yeah. I'm neither black and nor look, Mormon. And look, they proselytize so all over the world. I know. So, you know, I know. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of like just a a, a vast ethnicity happening yeah. just across the board because they're very effective at going to places and saying, you know, here's how your life can be enriched and how, yeah. you know, and how special and wonderful this religion is yeah. by 
you know, two horny 18-year-old boys. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't been excommunicated. I just feel like, again, that's far more, that feels like it's going to happen far faster than accepting homosexuality in the church. Yeah, yeah. But it, it continues to not happen. Really? So, yeah. Because you have no talked about it. No one's bothering listening yeah. to what I have to say, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for God's sakes, the Book of Mormon, if that isn't, you know, they, I think that that probably forced the church to have a sense of humor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, if you can do all that, you know. I mean, I don't know. That, I think they really believe they, it's, you're right that it's not a shame based um, in terms of, you know, you're going to go to hell or, or people who don't believe this are going to go to hell or, uh, or there, that there are all these unforgivable things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's very, very immediate shame based. Yeah. Like it's definitely about, there's a lot of things you can do wrong and you need to feel very, very bad about them right away yeah. in the same way that you can confess to, you know, in a confessional, yeah, um, you need to repent and yeah. do X, Y, and Z so that you can sort of start fresh. Yeah, um, yeah. It seems more. It, it's more of a you're you turn your judgment inward rather than mm, outward. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and people can always be saved. There are very yeah. few people that they believe are beyond hope. I think. I think I qualify as one of them, maybe, yeah. because they talk about like the sons and daughters of perdition, which means you have and accept the gospel and then you turn your back on it. Like yeah. that maybe is when you go to hell. Was that now when you were, uh, I imagine a young adult is when you decided? Yeah. As soon as I knew I was leaving for college, I had to have that uncomfortable conversation with my mom, which was and really hard. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Because we had had such a rocky, I just did not have a good relationship with her as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and... So I think I feel like we had reached kind of an uneasy truce by the time I was a senior in high school. And then that just set us back so far yeah. for me to have to say, please, actually, please don't share my, you know, my information with the church in Flagstaff where I was going to college. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be showing up there. Wow. And she said, and I've just told, told a story on my podcast recently, but I have said it before, but she has, she, her first words to me were, you can't have a religion based on Cat Stevens and Joni Mitchell, <laughs> which was such a slap in the face because that was part of know, the truth. I know. It I was sounds like, like I mean, it wouldn't be that bad. You kind of can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought he, ha I thought I was very surprised when he converted to Islam Yeah. only because I was like, I thought he kind of figured out that like, that's not a, you know, you don't need something like that, that necessarily. authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, of. but yeah, that was hard because that was one of those things that, you know, in a rare moment of intimacy, you know, just the sharing of me being like, well, this is something that, you know, these are lyrics and this is music that I've discovered that's not even really my generation, but that's, you know, I love and I think it's it's so beautifully written and there's so much wisdom in there. You yeah. know, I, whatever that was, was like an attempt at bonding and yeah. then just so quickly, unfortunately, got thrown back in my face. Mm. Um, so were yeah, you, that were was you tough. an artsy kid? Like, were you doing yeah. theater stuff? And yeah. was that like suspect to her no, at least? No, I don't think she minded that. Although now that you say that, I'm hard pressed to think of her coming into any of my shows. But um, yeah, I, no, I think it was just um, when I was when I was little, I took all my uh, frustration and anger, my tiny person anger at my parents splitting up. I guess mm -hmm. I didn't know it at the time. When you're that little, I don't know that it's that definable. But I was just like a holy terror around her, and then I was great around my dad. Oh wow! So there was they, they had like arguments about whether or not. I was even the same person. Like, you know, my she would say, like, your daughter, blah, blah, blah. You know, she throw a tantrum and this and that. And then my dad was like, I don't see any evidence of that. Yeah, like, yeah. And then she tape recorded one of my tantrums. Oh, wow. Exhibit A. 
Yeah. That's pretty good, yeah. though. And then when I was a teenager, I went through my goth phase. And I do feel that that was, I think that was like, in, in the t- at the time, I think she was like, uh-huh. Yeah. I always knew yeah, yeah. this is where we were headed. Do you think it was also just terrifying to her? Or had you already probably. hardened her at that point? <laughs> you know, I think she was probably she went, terrified. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she was probably terrified. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think there was that that split in the way that you treated one versus the other? Was it just personalities I mean, jiving I think, yeah. and, or not? I think know? that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I I I definitely am so much more like my dad and yeah. I think um you know, and then and when they first split up, I was, you know, the I guess the assumption was cuz kids go and live with their mom that I should go and live with my mom, which meant moving into, like, a sad apartment. I mean, I have so much empathy for her now. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, oh, God, like, she was the one who really wanted to have a kid. And, you know, it's such an old story. Yeah. Like, she really wanted. And then, you know, and then here I am. And then I just immediately bond more with my dad, uh-huh. you know. And and then when they split up, I'm, like, running away from home only at her house, oh, wow. you know, and saying things like, you're Did- not my real mom. Like, just... <laughs> The classics. Did he keep the house? Did he keep the house? He did, he yeah. Li- oh, wow. Yeah. See, that is... Yeah. That's weird. And, well, and also... I mean, I it's weird. Like, yeah. I, just, I just say it's weird because, like, A, I'm going through a divorce right now, and I can't believe, I can't believe, like, you all got to leave. Right. I, I just c- can't yeah. even conceive of doing that, yeah. you know? Well, she might have wanted... I don't... Because that's... Yeah, I, I she might have wanted to remove herself from... The place that sort of for her maybe oh, represented the oh, marriage oh, not oh. working. I never talked to her about it, so I don't know. And it, but but do, why didn't they sell it and split it? Isn't that sort of like yeah, the I community? Don't know. He, I mean, who he, knows yeah. Arizona divorce law? Yeah, Can we take some callers. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll have to ask him. Yeah, yeah. And I'll get well, back and to also you. too, I think not to be too revealing, but the kid wants to stay at home. Yeah. Doesn't want to go to yeah. the new apartment, no matter how. Yeah. It was nice scary it and is. awful, and it had those those. I see them in LA all the time, and I, I that makes me shudder, and uh, that shows that I'm kind of a wimp. But there are those like really dense bushes that sort of look almost like some sort of fur, or not not animal fur. Let me yeah. be clear. Like yeah, yeah. Pi- there's a yeah, pine, yeah. pininess to them, yes. and they're very very dense. And there's just always these clouds of spider webs, yeah. just those dense. Puffs of I'm looking around like somebody be with me. Do you know? No, what? I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And so and, and it just I looks think like oh, that's I think just it's some yeah, kind of spruce. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I was like the ones that they make topiaries out of. Is yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. So just very, you know, just the feeling of like if I could even squeeze my hand in there, I would just immediately it would be gone. I'd pull out bones. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's how spiders work, like piranha. Um, <laughs> uh, and they, and yeah. those were at your mom's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's they're so just weird like the all things that you little latch things onto. that yeah. sort of become this sort of alien territory that feels yeah. dangerous, you know. And oh, I hated it. I I have the thing like, and I don't even know. Well, I don't want to go into the reason, but remember those old. Plaid couches that were like a thick synthetic, that, that, that like almost like kind of rough burlap yeah. kind yeah, of plaid. Yeah, it is burlap-y. Yeah. Super burlap And And then they often would have like wooden handles yeah. and stuff. That Those bum me out. Like yeah. that just to me says sad kid. I know. And I, like I, I said, totally but, get it. Oh, I hate, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, no, I understand that too. I Yeah. You, you definitely do kind of latch on to like. That's sort of like, I can never, I will never be able to handle the avocado appliances. Right. 
<laughs> well, so um, you do you live mostly with your mom then growing up and and in school and it was no, all in yeah, Tucson. No, no, it was so so. It was fifty as I, fifty. Yeah, no, it wasn't even really fifty fifty. He had primary custody of me after after a couple of years of just everyone being very unhappy. Uh, I think they had a, the conversation of like, well, wait a minute, Why maybe just, she should yeah. be with you more. And uh, my dad was like, great. Like, he was ready yeah. for that. And and so once I lived primarily with him and spent a little less time with her and wasn't her responsibility in the same way, like, that my dad sort of became the person who, like, registered me for school and took me to the doctor, like, all those things. Yeah. Um, I think that that took the weight off of her a little bit. But I still went to church with her on Sundays and stuff. And Did um – her plants were not avocado colored. Is that what you were going to say? You wanted <laughs> to get back not, to that? that? Want to circle I, I back on that for sure? I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I did. Oh, I know what I was going to Did either one of them have any more children? No, no. So neither one of them ever remarried or wow. anything. I, I am an only child and I, mom's over there, dad's over there and there's no Did steps, either of them no date nothing. in any way? My dad did. Yeah? Yeah, my dad's had like some wonderful relationships through the years. And my mom never did. Wow. Yeah, it was really weird. Closed it was. It's shop. weird that that ever, whatever. I don't know what. I don't know how old you most people are. Like, if there's a sort of an average age at which you suddenly or gradually realize that what you thought of as normal was not normal to yeah. other people. Uh, but I feel like it takes a lot longer than you would imagine. I feel like I was like. 30 before I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I never saw anyone even hug my mom. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of odd. Yeah. Yep. Never saw her hold hands with yep. anyone. Just nothing. I there are, there are certainly things that when I became a parent, instantly, uh, speaking of a parent, instantly became apparent yeah. to me. Yeah. That like, holy shit, I can't believe that someone did that, yeah, you know, and yeah. I, you know, not to name specifics, but like where you just, it's like, I, wow. Yeah. You know, because you, you know, your urges for having a kid. And I've said this before on this, I, my, my parenting philosophy is I read somewhere once that police forces are supposed to be working towards their obsolescence. That's mm-hmm, the idea. Mm-hmm. Like crime prevention is oh, part of their that job. Be which, something? Yeah. Which I, I don't, I always feel like kind of. That was like early on when yeah. when they started forming police forces. The idea was we're not just going to stop people from committing crime. We're going to sort of promote the notion of let's not commit crimes, everybody. Right, and, except for just the whole slavery thing, which <laughs> yeah, I feel well, like that, also yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, the police yeah. were like, listen, we want to be obsolete to the white people. We're going to really just focus on putting <laughs> black people in jail. That's true. Which That's another podcast. That's another sure. podcast. Yeah. But, um, but parenting is like, yeah, oh, no, it's not about you. It's just, you know. Yeah. As my sister-in-law said, yeah, when you have a kid, like, it's immediately apparent who the baby is. Right. Like, you know. I've managed to avoid that thus far. It, yeah. I have such a baby. Yeah, yeah. What a baby. I, I tell you, there's so much of there's so much of my own shit that I think I was glad to have kids because it's just like, oh, fuck, I don't have to think about that. Absolutely. Like, bye. Yeah. By worrying absolutely. about that. By caring about that. By, by having to worry about socializing. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> Oh, God, no I'm more small hook, no everybody. more small talk. That's I have right. a, a, a child Listen, to take care I've of. I've been able to parlay owning a dog into some of the exact oh, same yeah, yeah, things, yeah. which is very yeah. sad. Like, yeah. mm, dogs in a crate, everybody. Did your mom Gotta have scoot. pets? Did she? What? No, uh, she, she, we, I was allowed to have a goldfish. I didn't have any pets at my dad's house after the one cat I had got hit by a car. 
And I think my dad was more traumatized than I was. was yeah. like, never again. Oh, wow. My mom let me have a, have a goldfish. It became her goldfish because I was never there, and wow. she took care of it. And then somehow I also ended up getting two little mice, which I can't remember why we were at the pet store in the first place. I don't feel that she was like, hey, you know what we should get you is mice. It's mice. I think it was us just in a pet store and and me – Loving these mice and then her feeling so bad that they were there to be sold, to be fed to snakes. Yes. That she was like, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of these puppies off you. Not literal puppies. In right, the pet right. Store. Uh, and so we had, we had, I had two uh, mice that were, that lived a very long time. Like lived an extraordinarily long time because my mom was so like, you know, giving them little vials of antibiotics when oh, they got really? sick. Took them to oh the vet. Oh my God. Yes. Like how many years? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long they're supposed to live. I feel Ten like minutes. they lived. <laughs> I feel like they lived like four years wow. or something, which is, I think, a very a long, long time for old, a little mouse yeah, yeah. in a cage to survive. Wow. Yeah. She took really good care of those Lucky mice. Lucky mice. Bess and George. Oh. <laughs> named after Nancy Drew's best friends. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Can't you tell my loves are growing? So when you went to college, mm-hmm. uh, you, you stayed in Arizona. I did, yeah. Yeah. Just and, I was very practical. I, yeah. I, I applied to a bunch of schools that I really wanted to go to, got into all of them, and then promptly stayed in state so I could have a scholarship. Because oh, I was I very afraid yeah, yeah. of financial aid. Yeah, yeah. That's but that yeah, no staying in state is there's plenty of reason for that. I mean, yeah. I did the same thing. I went University of Illinois, and it was just sort of – it's funny because having a son that just went away to college and going through that whole – the very modern now process of it and him applying to 12 schools or something and that number being dwarfed by some of his friends who were applying to like 20. Yeah. And he at one point asked me like, how many schools did you apply to? And I was like, 
one, <laughs> one, and then I went there. Uh, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine really was like it was like window shopping. It was yeah. like I mean, let's be realistic. If I'm gonna major in theater, which at the time I didn't even know if I wanted to do, but it's kind of all I thought could about. think of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my, you know, and my dad writes books about ghost towns and mining camps and like kind of the American West. Oh wow, is that um, his job? Uh, he was a a, a school teacher, a high school English teacher, uh-huh. um, and then he started writing books. Like he wrote his first book just kind of as a he was like oh, I could, he, had, he had developed the hobby of ghost towns. Uh-huh. Kind of, there's a ton of great old you know ghost towns and mining camps in Arizona. Wow! And he was like, How there fun. isn't really, a, there's no real like reference for this yeah. that I can see, and so he ended up like. Pitching the idea and getting this book written, and, now, and since then he's written like twelve books. Or and is something. he the ghost town expert now? He's he kind is. of a ghost town. He's like a wow. celeb within a very, very yes. niche, very yes. niche yes. world. My my father uh, is a is a, a linguist, a Russian linguist. He he had been a music major, dropped out of college, joined the army before they could draft him, and le- went to lang- scored high with language. Went to Monterey from Springfield, Illinois, and wow. was like, this is the most beautiful place yeah. I've ever been. What language keeps me here the longest? And they said, Chinese or Russian. The, wow. All the others kept them there like, I don't know, six months, and these kept them there a year. Oh, wow. And he's like, all right, Russian, I guess. I'll take Russian. And then that became his career. How about that? And he became, he's a well-regarded Russian phonetician. Like, when he goes to Russia, they can't tell he's not, uh, yeah. they think he's a native speaker. Yeah. But he's written for opera singers the definitive guides Whoa. for phonetic of of all like Rachmaninoff songs, yeah, and like and a, a volume after volume for just for opera singers to teach them to sing Russian songs correctly. Because of course we need that, and but you would never ex- think that not we exist. would need that. Unless, yeah, yeah. yeah, so opera didn't. singers, you know, yeah. Like the, uh, and Monterey, you know, how crazy is oh, that? I know, Just I know. those steps. I really understand that urge because that's uh, the point of me bringing up my dad was that because he was doing so much traveling through the the Western United States anyway, I would go with him on on visits um, to these various sites and stuff, and so. I fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. So I applied to all, all the schools there, like Lewis and Clark, yeah. University of Puget Sound, UW, like all these places. Yeah, yeah. And I did have good grades and I got in, but not like in a way that, you know, I didn't have, I was not going to high school to impress people pre-college. Yeah. I wasn't like in any clubs or anything like that. Yeah. And so it would have immediately been financial aid, right. you know, and so I didn't do it. But, but. I fell in love so hard with San Francisco that I was like, I don't care what I have to do to be there. So I really under, if someone was like, you need to learn, you need to be fluent in Russian to stay in San Francisco. I've been like, great. Uh Uh-huh. That's going to keep me here. Great. And that's where you went after college? I went to, I dropped out uh, in my junior year at Oh, what a disappointment. I know. What a burnout. Wait for it. Okay. Then I worked for a year in San Francisco, established residency, what? and went to SF State wow. University. Pulled yourself up by I your bootstraps. I pulled myself right by up. By selling bootstraps. By selling tiny, expensive miniatures and all Australian goods. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Those were my two part-time jobs when I moved to San Francisco. <laughs> expensive miniatures? Oh, like, yes. What does that mean? I lived in, I moved into a place on 
Leavenworth uh, near Sutter Street. And I was like, well, uh, my job experience is limited to making necklaces at a hippie bead store in mm-hmm. Flagstaff and uh, selling train tickets for the Grand Canyon Railway also in Flagstaff. <laughs> so I got not much. Also, those sell themselves. I, you do frankly. not. I didn't need to be there. Talk about a robot <laughs> taking something over. Uh, and so I, I just I didn't know even really where to start. And I, I just walked up the street, turned right on Sutter Street after I'd moved there and was like, well, there's a lot of stores on this street. I guess I'll start applying. And the places that each gave me a part time job so I was working full time were a place called Australia Fair which only sold Australian goods. Wow. I sold opals. I sold Vegemite. I sold... Boomerangs. A, 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 boomerangs. I sold Akubra hats. I, <laughs> I sold blunnies, Bluntstones yeah. boots. Uh, and then I would and then I would might go over to my other job uh, at the Treasure House, which was a, an oh. extravagantly expensive tiny dollhouse miniature store where we sold dollhouse kits and stuff. And we would have these like society ladies from Pacific Heights come in to buy, you know, like bespoke crystal goblets. Wow. And like Waterford crystal goblets. And like, you know, real China that was dollhouse sized that were like, you know, I mean, we had like paint, tiny paintings that were hand painted that were like $900. $900. Wow. It was nutso. Wow. It was so fun. I bet. Yeah. And you get so much you get so much knowledge that doesn't it has served anywhere me else. not at all. Yeah, yeah. Not at but all. But it's all still in there. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, from my stepfather having a plumbing business, like I still know like lots and lots of like on Twitter once I posted something. I was in Kauai and I, there's a they converted an old school to a shopping center and the plumbing fixtures are the same. And I just, I took pictures. I was like, I happen to know that this is a urinal built for women. Like uh, they, oh. there are women's urinals because I remember as a kid being so bored sitting in this plumbing shop. And my stepfather did say like, uh, look at the catalogs. So, you know, the parts, you know, cause people would come in with like a broken faucet stem yeah, and I would have to find like match it up to these big ring leaf binders like it, you know, like, well, it looks like it's an Elkin. Mm-hmm, so, and, mm-hmm. then you, and then you hold it up to a, like a silhouette. Yeah, sure. Get the number and go back. I mean, of like 700 yeah. different faucet stems. God, it must have been so satisfying when you started to kind of recognize oh, yeah. something. Well, and also just like I c- kind of know about plumbing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can fix the, you know, I, you know, I can put in my own garbage disposal and I can, you know, I can install a toilet, you know, things well, like that. my lady urinal has been backing up, and <laughs> I've not been able to admit to anyone that I have a urinal, backing so this up. is... <laughs> what the fuck is going in there? Kidney stones. Oh, is it mm-hmm. kidney stones? I Almost gonna, exclusively I kidney say. stones. Everything inside comes out as like a gem. It looks like a little sparkling yellow diamond. Clang, clang, clang. Yeah, yeah. Ping, pang, pang. Somebody's got to look at it. It's an Elkin, <laughs> so you should be well-suited to come in and tinker. No, I, I it was. I remember being a kid and opening up this page, and it's like, you're, you know, like female urinal, and like, what, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, what is it? Get, what does it look like? It's, it's just, it's a urinal, but it has like a, 
it has in the shape of a heart because no, ladies like hearts. It has it basically it's it's a it's a it, you know it's a urinal that you squat over. Mm-hmm. So it sort of has like a a protrusion coming mm-hmm. out like you know like a basket mm-hmm. like a toll basket. Okay. You know <laughs> off the front of it. Every guy is got to pay. Gotta <laughs> That's pay. right. Come on, right there. Yeah. Um, but it's just to me, it always struck me as like just the just female garments like but you pull the everything to the side do you take your underwear yeah. off like it always very well, strange to some, me in japan the, the when i was in japan there it's it's amazing to me that they have the fanciest most expensive toilets oh. in some places yes and then and not a necessarily the and then a hole in the ground yeah, yeah. For, for for other places without their there was it didn't feel like there was a relationship to the status of the place I right. was. Like, I, I could be in an incredibly upscale restaurant. Yeah. And it would be the hole in the ground. Yeah. And then I could be at a gas station. It would be, like, the, the thing that talks to you and plays music and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, but I, that it was really a moment of, like, for, I consider myself to be not particularly, you know, um, I have no dignity is, I guess, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, in practice, I, I mean, I looked at it and I was like, I get it. Like, okay. But then there is a level to sort of like, well, I'm wearing a long, summery dress. Yes. Where, how do I hike that? Like, what What yes. are the logistics of this? Yeah. This and is also, challenging. If, you know, while defecating, how can one be sure to get their garments out of the way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when, you're, when it's just a whole, and I was like, when it has like, because I saw this in Japan too, like, that has like two like foot pads. Like, so it's obvious, like, Put your feet here. Oh, okay. Okay. I was hoping that you were saying they were pedals of some no, no, kind, they were like, like a pipe they, organ. They were just like sort of like non-skid sort yeah. of treads <laughs> that were shoe size on either side of the hole. I was like, oh, well, that's handy. I know where to put my feet at least. And then just a little a little diagram of a guy like making sure his pants are out <laughs> of guess, the way. I guess. I guess. I don't, don't know. Forget. Just seems like a very dangerous cantilever. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so you end up in San Francisco. Yeah. And are you are you performing? Are you in, when you go up there? Are you you know? I had kind of th- again, not unlike your dad, who wanted to be in Monterey. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in San Francisco, but uh-huh. I choose that city. I just want to be there. Yeah. I want to be the girl who lives in San Francisco, not the actress who lives totally in San Francisco. Totally understandable. Or the, you know what that I mean? place is crazy yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It, it just felt so special, and I was so, I, I I was so focused on the fact that somehow I was able to pay rent there that yeah. I just wasn't thinking that way. And then eventually, I ended up forming a band with uh, a couple people that I worked with, and so we were playing out. Uh, under the name Blood Orange. Now there is another Blood Orange. Couldn't tell you why we were named that. And then we moved on to Mind the Gap because our bassist was British. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a very, very aggressive uh, football slash soccer fan. Oh, right, right. very aggressive. Really? Uh, Yeah. That was my first taste of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't hit that person you don't know. Yeah, because they said something about your team. Yeah, they said something about your boys. Um, So I was, yeah, so I was doing music and stuff, but I wasn't really... I had already done all my performance credits when I finally started at SF State. All my mm-hmm. performance stuff was like all the front-facing stuff I had already done because I was an asshole at my old school. You know, my first college was like, well, I'm I'm a performer, so I'll take all the performance. And so what I had left over was like the backside, which was The eat your design, vegetables kind of stuff. Which is yeah. what I thought of as the eat your vegetables. And then I came to found out I loved that stuff even way more than uh-huh. performance stuff. 
I yeah. loved playwriting. I loved theater design. I loved shop, like the shop. I loved making scenery. Absolutely. Learning how to use that, the, all the different saws, mm-hmm. learning how to cut metal. No one told me I was going to learn how to cut metal and weld. I know. As part of a theater major? Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Uh-huh. It was awesome. So little did I and know. And also that's so much more really useful loved. than learning how to fence. Ugh. Like yeah. all that. Ch- I still am amazed. I, don't know, like, I still don't know how to juggle, and many people have tried to teach me in and out of school. I'm sword fighting. Why the yeah. fuck do I need sword fighting? Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen, Andy, when the shit goes down, <laughs> you're going to wish you knew how to fence. All I need is a child's aluminum softball bat, a, a t-ball bat. That's <laughs> my that's my home security system. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I have a Nerf bat. Is that no. ill-advised? No, no. That's mm. like, yeah. that You might get them with laughter. Kill him with laughter if that's the case. You know what? That's a very Mormon response. That actually, that <laughs> yeah, kill yeah. him with kindness. Yep. I'll make them Rice Krispie treats, uh-huh. which I feel was like the national food of Mormonism. Oh, it seems like it. Yeah. Well, it you can't have anything fitting. else. So, you have to, so sugar becomes like right. the most important thing in the of world course, to you. Of course, yeah. No tobacco, no booze. No, no ma- caffeine. Yeah, yeah. No caffeine. That's the thing that's crazy too. Yeah. Come I on. think there's a lot Loosen of people. Loosen up on that already. I think maybe it has even loosened up. Yeah. A lot of people are out there drinking their Diet Cokes. Yeah, yeah. And their coffee, yeah. And there's not even like really I mean, the booze I can understand, but caffeine, yeah. I mean, come on. I know. Like it's you know you can understand like halal and kosher because they back in those days the process eat, eating, means eating so yeah much. And eating yeah. pig meat was probably they probably started noticing you know what people that eat pig tend to die. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say no pig. Let's say God says no Makes pig. Sense. Yeah, Makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that there's some logic to it, but caffeine who. Come on. I mean, it's addictive. I guess. Yeah, but it was sugar. I know. I know. I know. Well, I that's what's amazing is that that skirted under and you anyway, can just we need gorge. to go to Salt Lake and set those people straight. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> Cut to. Yep. Um, so so you just start kind of falling into performing then? I, I know you, you said you were part of a group that just started doing sketch yeah. Work and yeah. And that was in San Francisco? It was. And it was through SF State because it was somebody that a friend of mine who uh, was in the theater department that I had become pals with had decided that he wanted to form a sketch group. And mm-hmm. uh, he actually ended up dropping out of the group fairly quickly. So it was funny that he brought these other people together. But he brought together um, me and my two partners now and that I produce Sketchfest with, uh-huh. uh, David Owen and Cole Stratton. Yep. And then another friend of ours, Gabe Diani, who's an independent filmmaker down here, um, and we started doing sketch. But I was terrified. I mean, I had no background in comedy at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't I hadn't written anything. I was like the funny kid in the classroom, but the serious kid in Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so for me, it was terrifying, which is just funny because people now are like, oh, wow. So, yeah, com- comedy, comedy. That's got so from a young age, huh? And I'm always like, no, yeah. no. I was not. I was afraid of improv when I was in college. I was like, oh, I could never do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but they real. So I really, I have to kind of credit them for my entire life changing because they were so supportive, and we. It was just a great place to learn how to write funny stuff and perform yeah. funny stuff. Um, and then we ended up forming the festival, which is also, you know, a huge part of my life. So was that was that before you came you came down here? Yeah, yeah. This this next year will be our nineteenth year. It's and I performed in it many, many times and it's really, really uh a fun thing to what do. What if you're just like, it's just garbage, Janet. <laughs> It's just garbage. That's, That's so why I had it. It's an intervention. Andy. It's uh, the first 19, I'm hearing about let's it. Let's make 19th the last okay, year, Okay, well, that please. seems like a good year to quit. No, <laughs> no it's really uh, – and it, it's gotten so big, too. Yeah. You've got every year. It's like – because, I mean, I remember 
years ago, like like uh, hanging out. Being uh, hanging out late with Zach, Gal- and this is yeah. totally name dropping. Yeah, John Hamm, Zach Galifianakis, in I think my hotel room. Yep, and somebody else, somebody that drives for it, I'm, and I'm forgetting her name. Probably Andrea. Andrea, it was Andrea. Mm-hmm. Hanging out, drinking, run out of booze. It's like three o'clock in the morning, and they're like, "We're gonna go across the street to the." Hilton or uh-huh. whatever. It was like a Hilton or a Sheraton yeah. or something. Yeah. And we're going to talk him into giving us some some minis, like yeah. some some mini bar liquor. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> Goodbye. And they all left. And those fuckers went across the street yeah. and talked the the, the 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 guy behind the front yeah. desk into going and giving them just handfuls. I would just love to see video of that. Of, Wouldn't you love minis, to see that happen? Like probably putting him, uh, Zach, probably filling his shirt yeah. with them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. That no. was, that, that, I know the festival you're talking about, and that was like, at least, it was probably 10 years ago, maybe yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. It was a Yeah, early, no, because it had fest. been on, but it, I mean, yeah. it was maybe my second year doing something too. So. Yeah. I also, too, at the uh, Sketch Festival, I would have opportunities to do stand-up, too. Somebody would ask me to do their show, and I would go, okay, what do you want me to do? And they go, oh, whatever you want to do. I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, okay, I guess I'll think of something. Um, and then I, and I always thought, like, oh, I should, I should learn how to do stand-up, especially because for a lot of people that I know, there's a lot of people that I came up with improv who get to be grown-ups with kids, and, and they need – in between jobs, ways to go make money. And you can go make money. Yeah. If you've been in a few movies and you have a sellable yeah. name, you can go do stand-up. And, uh, and I thought, ah, I guess this is something I should sort of learn how to do. And I tried it and I tried it. And I was actually hosting a night as part of the Sketch Fest at Cobb's. I was the host of a showcase of Conan writers who did stand-up. Oh, yeah. yeah. And stand-ups that had been on the Conan yep. show. And it was in the middle of my 10 minutes that I decided – I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like being up here alone. I'm not. I, I couldn't do it either. I don't care about this. It's I don't care me. about like the laughter that I'm making these stra- that I'm yeah. eliciting from these strangers. It doesn't. It's not getting feed you high. Me. Like it yeah, gets some I just high. Yeah. I'm not that kind of me person. Neither. And I was like, I was kind of. I can't remember. It might have been a Parnan and Churler or somebody yeah. like that. I, but I was just like. All right, I'm done. Uh, anyway, <laughs> our first comic. Off. Yeah, yeah. Just like just completely flipped yuck, the switch. Done. And Great. I haven't done it since. Great. And whoever, you know, was supposed I was supposed to do another five minutes or something, so somebody had to kind of scramble to get on stage. <laughs> I, I I'm sure it was fine. Comedians I, aren't usually that disappointed oh, no, 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 that they get no, an yeah, extra yeah. amount of time for their quicker. set. That, yeah. yeah. Um but I have had so much fun just doing Jimmy Pardo used to do match oh God, game I up there. I was just going to bring that up because yeah. for me, that was maybe the first time I got to do something with you. Yeah. And it was an, it was a situation in which, I mean, I knew how funny you were, but I had, but I was so much more accustomed to like watching your scripted sitcoms yes. or, you know, having you on the, on the couch with Conan, but you were, you're sort of silent, but deadly in that way sometimes yeah. where you just slip in a thing or two. And I was, when we did match game together, I, the number one thing I walked away from with that was like, fuck, that guy's a fucking genius. Oh, wow. Like, he is so funny Wow, off the thank cuff. you so much. I was so impressed. Thank you like, so I much. Like, I just loved it. I well, loved it. I would it, do that every day with it's, you. Oh, and I, and I love doing it, too, because it's truly, truly fun. Yeah. It's truly fun. It's the and opposite. That's, it's just that spontaneous gameplay, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and, and that's what has driven me 
in my career is being funny with funny people. It's all I fucking care about. I I don't like the I don't get that charge from the audience that people did. I guess my parents did a good enough job uh, yeah. giving me attention that I don't. I'm there isn't this hole that can't be filled. Uh, and and I just you know when I did used to do improv in Chicago and. Something, you know, there's always, you know, something that just, you don't, you're not accustomed to anymore, but just like boilers out, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's 40 degrees in, yeah. in the, you know, the basement of the Italian restaurant where yeah. we do comedy. So we'd show up and like, no show, there, the heat, there's no heat, yeah. there's no show. All right, let's go fucking drink. Mm-hmm. Let's just go. And that to me was more fun and more exciting and actually probably more enriching in terms of. Just me as a comedy artist, yeah. dare I say, was because I, you know, it's like you don't have all those strangers you got to worry about. You can just like, yeah, play tennis with each other's minds. Absolutely. You know? yeah, do you yeah. have that urge to still do like full on improv? Or just in no, a group? no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. And as I've said, because I also too, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an improv stalwart. It was a, it was a, it was a great thing to do, but. I set out to be uh, a film actor. I went to film school. I wanted to work in films. And I still, that's that's what I wanted to be. I don't, and I don't, like, I don't care about being on stage in the theater. I wanted to be a film actor. And that's the kind of acting that I, that I aspired to and that I studied and I wanted to do. And then I was in Chicago and I'm a writer kind of and a uh, actor kind of and there's this way but like terrible attention span issues terrible can't sit down and get anything written yeah i get that and like okay i get to wait stand around with five or six people and just think stuff up and so i'm writing and performing all at once and don't have to and don't get like don't have to don't get to think about either one too much yes fantastic i respond to it a million times but at a certain point, I realized this isn't going to go beyond a room full of maybe 200 people. Yeah. Because if it gets bigger than 200 people, it doesn't work so good. If it gets on television, it doesn't work so good because the remote control is the death of improv. Nobody's going to sit and wait to see people discover where they are and what right. the game is right. when they can flip over two step, you know, like click, click to fucking Love Island or whatever the right. hell. Right. So. I always, I never saw improv as anything more than, you know, it's like, it's like a poet, it's poetry. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 no, it's poetry. It's not going to, you're not going to have like mega blockbuster poems. For sure. You're not going to have mega blockbuster improv shows, but you will have people who are good at improv who then go on to make movies or television shows or write books or do whatever. Yeah. And nowadays too, the notion because I have, you know, like a lot of the UCB people, you know, like Besser, Matt Besser, a little younger than me, he's doing improv every day. Yeah. Walsh used to do that a lot, you know, before the people that end up having kids do it less, but really devoted to keeping this going. And it really does keep your mind muscular. But I've always said, like, I'm, I don't want... I don't leave the house to get nervous. Right. And that's what going to do improv now is. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like go, I'm going to go get nervous? Yeah. No, I, I, 
No, I don't. I, if I leave the house, it's to get less nervous. Right. You know, it's like to go and enjoy <laughs> something, not yeah. to be scared. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I got to entertain people. Yeah. And the last time I did, I did do just pure improv was a UCB benefit that Besser had asked me to do in a very vague kind of way. It was like long form improv will do scene work. And, you know, usually it's based off of monologues. This was every people are going to sing a song. And then they'll do, uh, you know, scene work based off whatever song they sing. And he's like, do you want to sing a song and do this? And I was like, sure, yeah. Uh, so I, I chose the state song of Illinois uh-huh. uh, as my song. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 I, and I got there and, you know, and it's like Horatio Sands was there and, and uh, Ian was there you know, and, and Amy Poehler was there. Uh, it was because it was a fundraiser mm-hmm. kind of show. Yeah. And we're going on. I mean, it was literally a minute before we're going on. I'm looking around and, I'm reali- and I realized like, wait, are, we're all doing, uh, we're all, am I just singing or like, no, 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 we're all doing scene work. And I was like. Oh, fuck. Oh. I got to do two hours of scene work because yeah. it, it went long. That's like. like- the dream that even non-performers have that's the nightmare, yeah, right? Yeah. Where you really are told, like, you no, you will be on stage and right you, now. things will be coming out of your mouth yeah, yeah. that you're not prepared you for. You've got to go do improv right now. Yeah. And, and it, like that's I say, it lasted two hours. But it was a good thing that I, I didn't have five minutes to think about it. I only yeah. had one minute to think yeah. about it. And I was like, all right, well, fuck, i got to do it. But, and I did fine. I did well. I liked it. I liked singing, you know. Do you by like thy, Illinois? By That's thy been rivers gently flowing, Illinois, oh. Illinois. By thy prairies verdant growing, Illinois, Illinois. Comes an echo on the breeze, rustling through the leafy trees, and its mellow tones are these, Illinois, Illinois. And its mellow tones are these, Illinois. Wait, does it really end on that sort of mm-hmm. minor and that, key? And this, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm not that good a singer, it. but uh, but no, it's a it's a uh, like uh, and its mellow tones are these fucking gets me. And you that's know? the state of Illinois. That song. is the state does of Illinois. Does Arizona song. have a song? I, they all got to have a song. Whoa, they all got to have a song. I don't think I've ever heard if there is one. I know what you're going to be googling. Yeah, <laughs> but I um, can't wait. But I got to you know, and that was fun to sing the song, and also to, to realize there are like six fucking verses to the goddamn thing, <laughs> you know, about like you know Lincoln and Douglas debate is thrown in there, and like verse three. You gave him a lot of meat. <laughs> I did. Your fellow uh, improvisers, a lot to play with. Yeah, but I got to the end of it, and like I say, I did fine and everything, and and, and I was like. And I was talking to somebody afterwards and like, well, you should do it more. I'm like, no, no, yeah. that was, that was plenty. Yeah. I was good. I'm good till the next time I get surprised that I'm going to have to do improv, yeah. you know. Uh, I do it once a month, basically once a month, just with people that I don't, wouldn't see otherwise. Like yeah. that, it really is sort that, of a, it gets to this that. will put me, yep. this will put, take me out of my house. I yep. will laugh a lot at the people that I'm playing with. Uh, yep. And that was our hangout. I do that. I do, you know, you know yeah. I used, to, I, I used to do shows like that and play cards. Like yeah. that was just, just to get out of the house, yeah. especially when my kids were little. Like, it needs to be more structured for me. If it's just like, hey, we can we can go see this movie, there's such a good chance that I'm going to be like, go back I guess out. I don't need to see that movie right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's cancel. Want yeah. to? Indian food? No, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Like suddenly, my couch. Suddenly, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it makes me accountable in yeah. kind of a different way. Now, the, the Sketch Festival – Getting so big is that? How has that changed your life? I mean, do you feel like now are people 
do you, is there a kiss up factor now? I don't happens? think there's a kiss. I don't feel that I have, there's any kissing yeah. up happening. I don't think, I mean, I, I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't recognize it, but I'm not, I don't know that I'm in a position where anybody that I consider a peer would be welcome there. So it's not like, you know, suddenly I'm just, I'm, I'm teaching a class at UCB or something. I don't. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but th- that would be, the, those would be the people I would imagine would, you know, would be the cl- sycophantic. Yeah, striving. Yeah, 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 if, yeah. If anything. I mean, yeah. it's, but it's, I don't know that it's that high of an honor either. It's like, a good reason why you don't leave the house. I can't. You don't have these I can't people bear, clawing I don't want to wonder if people are <laughs> sincerely crazy about me. <laughs> Well, how, how do you get down here? How do you get from San Francisco down to L.A.? Because you live here now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and are you married or are you engaged? Engaged. Engaged. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, we were doing we were doing sketch. We would – I think we'd maybe started the festival or maybe we were about to start the festival. And uh, and pe- people would come up and scout. Like the – like Dave Rath and Kara Welker mm-hmm. had mined San Francisco for Janine Garofalo and Pat Oswald and I think probably Greg Barrett as well. I don't Dana know. Gould, but Dana Gould yeah, yeah. A bunch of people in San Francisco that had, you know – gone down to really successful careers. And so they, they, they were, a, there were a, a few different managers who I think kind of knew from past experience, like this is a good place to find new faces. Oh, wow. Um, and so, and then, and then also, um, the, the Aspen comedy festival came and scouted sketch groups in San Francisco. And so they invited our sketch group to Aspen. So that was sort of the, the tipping point for me was doing that and having an, a manager say, Hey, why don't you just come down for the next pilot season? Just sleep on someone's couch, yeah. audition for stuff. And I thought that sounded hilarious and yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I was yeah. like, uh, you know what? Cause the job that I had just had had ended. We actually closed a store that was no longer in operation. Australian or or miniatures? By then I had moved on to sort of a a shishi yet fun home furnishing store called Filamento. And the owner retired and she didn't want to sell it or anything, so we just sort of shuttered it. But but I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess if if ever there's a time for me to do this – I guess I it's I guess it's now. And yeah. so I went down and I just I it just seemed so preposterous to me. I felt like I was playing the role of someone auditioning for stuff. Yeah. You know, I really was like that my only job is to put on this short skirt and follow these map quest right. directions. <laughs> like that's my job today. Yeah, Crazy. Yeah. Now what had your plan been? Up to like in San Francisco, like what what was your what were your goal or you know did you have? I don't think I was that goal oriented. Yeah, yeah. I think I wanted to. I I I had become quite fond of working in like interior design. I worked for an interior design firm in project management, and I worked as a buyer and sort of merchandise manager for the home furnishing store. So I think without. I was I'm I was a person very fearful to create any goals lest I disappoint myself. Yeah. So I really sort of skated on like what's the next thing that will might come my way. Yeah. Um, I don't. But I, I think I, I had think, maybe would to own a store or to I be think, a designer. or something. Oh, cool. You yeah, know, but yeah. like I, you know, as a as sort a of vague, high in the as sky. As a vague thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a totally uh, legitimate way to just sort of be like, just remain open to what's next. Yeah. You know, without any sort of like grand scheme, because yeah, you're right. You, you are kind of disappoint disappointment proofing yourself if you're like well you know whatever's next is whatever's next it's a very fluid concept as opposed to you know I'm not on SNL. Right. You know? And no one was ever asking me that until I came down here. And then my manager started having, you know, I, they were like, let's take all these agent meetings. And the agent's favorite question at that time were like, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea at all. 
And actually, uh, coincidentally, I think that the thing that bubbled out of my mouth was like, I want to be the next Conan. Only because in my mind <laughs> that had more that that was less obnoxious than saying I wanted to be like Jennifer Aniston or somebody. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I want to I love being myself. I like hosting stuff. I like talking to people. Uh, I would love to have a production company and make other people's stuff, you know. And yeah. I think the light just went out of their eyes. They were like, oh, you're like you're like a smart person who oh, doesn't yeah, like yeah. I think they wanted me to say, say like, I, want to be I see myself yeah, yeah I see yeah. myself on a hit sitcom for 12 years I was yeah. like who would I already knew the odds of that. I right, right, there right. was no way. I was far too pragmatic. Well, but that to them, like they understand that. Yeah, like, and they, they also know they probably laughed at them and were like, <laughs> "Lady in late night," <laughs> as if that'll ever happen. <laughs> yeah, they weren't wrong about that. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, they're like, "How do we make you into a late night talk show host?" They don't know how to do that. Yeah. How do we like follow the well worn path? To you being on a sitcom, that yeah. we can do. Yeah. Because we will tell you the same things that we told every exactly. other woman that have come in, has come in here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you – and you just ended up staying. You, you, yeah. You, yeah. I, once I started getting uh, jobs or even the, the getting close to jobs as quickly as I did – which is something you have to learn, right? People tell you, like, you know, you actually should feel good about this. I know you didn't get yeah, it, yeah. but you're going to have to start looking at success differently or and you, you will kill the, yourself. And you can feel the difference, too. You can, you feel, can feel, the feel like, okay, like, oh, shit, okay, I almost actually, got that I did, one. yeah. yeah. I can't, if it's, but listen, if it's between me and Tori Spelling, I got to be doing something right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my I've, first That was my I've first said disappointment. That so many times. Right? So many that times. That lady. Yeah. Uh, I think the yeah. last one, because I, I mean, I... The last, the last thing that where I was like really close to it, it like went to Ving Rhames. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, so great ah, when shit. it's someone so I different. I lost that another you, one yeah. to Ving Rhames. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, you don't um, have to own any of yeah, that yeah. when it's oh, someone okay. so different. I, yeah, they just did not want me. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can turn it that way too. Yeah, uh, but well, yeah. How, how was that for you? Having it was been scary. such a San Francisco oh, yeah. lover, you I know? was so I was I had really uh, drank the Kool-Aid on LA sucks and San Francisco's the best based on a a few things that aren't untrue um, about both cities. But, but usually generated by San Franciscans. Oh yeah. The, the whole, like the rivalry that LA doesn't know about that San Francisco feels. And that's usually the way it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, when I came down, I mean, the scariest moment was sort of like getting, getting a job. I ended up on dinner in a movie, uh, I think, uh, like, within six months of having officially moved to L.A. Yeah. And, That's great. And it was Steady terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Because I thought immediately, like, this somehow this is going to go away. Somehow I'm going to get fired. Um, and also just that sort of sense of acknowledgement of settling into something and going, oh, this is, like, a job I really care about. Yeah. And I've managed to not be particularly attached to a career up to this point. And it's, that's been very safe to yeah. do the thing that's like, ah, eh, what, what's next? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. This, oh, this, these guys are hiring. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so that really was – that was a scary moment when I was like, oh, no, I want to do this. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. Yikes. Well, so where – I mean, one of the questions that uh, we're here to answer is, like, you know, where are you going? Like, I see myself still- as the next Conan O'Brien. <laughs> and I mean that as of today. Well, you that know That guy's got to go. He, he, I'm getting good, rid of him. Good luck. 
He honestly. I'm going to go by Kona so that we can just take the N off. He will die on that stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, No, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I I really have no idea. I love that that we're still doing the festival, Um, and I, I would love to. You know, I've been writing and and pitching more, and I'm working on a pilot that that uh, my partners and I sold to IFC. So we're you know we're in the middle of of our second draft of that, and. and that's been really fun. It's been really fun to be just working with my brain and not yeah. necessarily going to a fitting. It, <laughs> I just, I actually was just at one. Yeah. Um, uh, is it, it, and for, you can not answer this at all, but I mean, is this is this running the sketch fest now? Has it become like some a good lucrative kind of thing for you? I mean, is it like does it make enough money to warrant the amount of work? Because I'm sure that early on, yeah. It was way more work than it was yeah, money. Yeah, early on there was no sense in ever trying to think about how much per hour we were getting paid. Yeah, like yeah. it was, you know, like a, a tenth dollar, of a cent, yeah, I think, whatever, for whatever, many years. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is definitely something that I couldn't survive on it, but yeah. I but it it feels much more like it's it's or there's a relationship there between yes. between work and and, and it keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. Because as, especially as you get older, you gotta make some money on stuff. You just right. You know, it just it just happens as you get older, where it's like I can't do this yeah. free anymore. Es- yeah, yeah, especially when it's as exhaust when it's as that time. It is got to be abs- How much of yeah. your time does it consume? Like what? Well, like in terms of yeah. like a year? Like is it three months of your life? Is it? I mean, it's it, it, that has grown as the festival has grown. Um, now we also co-produce other stuff around the the other parts of the year mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco. So. You know, there's a handful of hours even just right after our festival, after we sort of closed the books on that festival. It's already, we're already, already we've already doing a weekly conference call with like Clusterfest or whatever. Um, But, uh, and and then as we kind of edge into the fall, like it becomes more and more consuming. And and so, uh, you know, sometimes we joke like, you know, SF Sketchfest, ruining Christmas since 2001. Ugh. Oh, well. I remember one year Dave called Fred Willard on Thanksgiving because we were so desperate to try to get him confirmed before we, like, put together our little tiny program. Oh, wow. It was just like that, you know, I was I would spend, like, New Year's Eve just, like, reviewing, like, bleary-eyed, red Making eyes. Sure go, like, what's in the program? Covered. What typos should I find? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's better than that now because we have an amazing staff. But it it's definitely, like— Sort of you, I certainly you have to get good at having a list that never gets shorter that you can still walk away from and go to sleep at night. Yes, because that and that was the hardest thing for me because I felt like I have to work until everything's checked off this list yeah. and that was never going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. once I kind of accepted, like no, 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 that's what this will look like and yeah. it will all get done or some of it won't and it will be okay. Yep. I had to really learn that and it's something I have to keep teaching myself every year. Like Is I, that- I have to go. Oh, I've I've done I've been through this before. This feels insurmountable. But I've been through this before somehow. Is that a lesson uh, getting to the – because we got we're getting towards the end here. Uh, in the what have you learned part, is that something that you expand into the rest of your life, that kind of letting Absolutely. go? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm a, I definitely am sort of more high-strung than I would like to be. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I guess I feel like I should have had the ambition to go with it if I was going to be this anxious, but I just didn't. Yeah. So, you know, now I think I'm better at – at, uh, at being able to take a step back in a moment of stress and go, well, now hang on. Yeah. Like how much in, how much energy? Yes, I need to put energy into solving the problem, but like how much energy am I burning just being really stressed out about this thing that 
feels so important that I've had so many of these moments that I now can't even remember most of them. Yeah. Like, it, so it can't be, you know, it, I have to fast forward to the moment when this is not even going to be a thing I remember. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and make some sort of connection with that. And then I can kind of let it go and, yeah. and, and fix it without all of that surplus energy that goes into freaking out about something. Right. You know? And so you are an, you should think of yourself as an anxious person. Yeah. I think I'm fairly, I don't want to be. I mean, no yeah. one wants to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I think I have, yeah, I mean, I definitely have. Like, and was there a point like where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore, like be like this anymore? And you, you know. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I mean, yes, I would not like to, I would not like to be like this anymore. But yeah, I mean, I've get, I think I'm getting better as I get older. And but the, is the coping just really like you say, like just uh, looking at previous examples of freakouts and how it worked out yeah. fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the boring answer, and it's the answer that you know adults tell you when you're a teenager that is just meaningless. Like yeah. it doesn't, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Like right. it doesn't mean anything to be so like, well, when you're a little older, you accumulate this experience and the experience will teach you to like shut up yeah, adult yeah, yeah. but that is you know there's a certain amount of stuff that's like you know I don't like now if I'm in a situation where because I it's we're not going to go into this now but like I have a history of like panic attacks and stuff when I was in early years of college now when I start to feel that feeling this like the tired old person in me is like I don't have the energy for yeah. a panic attack. I yeah. just gotta move. Can we? I'm just gonna skip to the other side of this thing. <laughs> I'm like that's a real thing. That's a it's progress. But I'll take it. It's absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. No, I have always thought like there's so many things in life that where you're just like, it's almost like brainwashing yourself, or you you have you feel this sort of anxious urge towards something and you're just like, nope, I'm not going to do that. And you can ask yourself or, you know, I mean, I have asked myself, well, yeah, but am I am I not just kind of playing a trick on myself? Sure. Am I not just like going, well, I'm just going to not, you know, I'm just going to shove it in a box and think and, and not think about it, which is, you know, you're not supposed to just shove things in a right. box and not think about it, but it's like, hey, it works. Yeah. Hey, and, and am I playing a trick on myself? Who fucking cares? You know, the cortisol level stays down and the life gets lengthened. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing for me, I think just to to close off that that conversation, I guess, is that um, the older I get, the more comfort I take in being just so normal in the way that I am anxious or so normal in the way that I grieve or so normal in the way that I get excited. Like, you know, I think when you're younger, you want to feel – special in, yeah. in, in certain ways. And sometimes that sort of like consumes itself and, yeah. and it has this adverse effect where you're like, oh, I'm broken in this very unique way. And now I, there's n- honestly, and it's not because I wish ill on anyone else, but nothing truly really gives me more um, comfort than when someone else is like, you know, like everyone goes through this yeah. or, you know, we all feel that way. Or, you know, you're going, oh, you're going through this thing with your parents getting older. Like, guess what? You're so not alone in that, yep. you know, and that feels to just feeling like not a freak. Yeah. Gives me so much. Like, okay. Well, so people have been getting through this stuff for hundreds of years yep. now. I will get through this, you yeah. know? Well, seems as good a place as that's what, And that's one of the ones I was dreading this, you know, podcast, but I was like, people have been getting through podcasts for yes. a, a tens of years, <laughs> tens a couple of, of years. <laughs> I will survive Andy Richter. You will. 
And I'm still and alive did. to tell you the did. tale. You, and you you did it swimmingly. Oh, thank this you. This is a really uh, fun conversation. Thanks for having me. And, I was uh, very excited to yeah. be invited. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you could do it. I mean, you know, uh, you had me on yours. I have you on mine. A little, we all little learn this, a little bit. Little of that. It's, you know, it's how it works. Our backs are washed. <laughs> All right. Well, Janet, thank you so much. Thank you so much yeah. for coming in. Thanks, Andy. And it was great to see you. It was a good excuse you. just to do that. I know. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to the three questions. We will be back next time with uh, more shit to blow your mind. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.